on Facebook and uh, the story is about a stepdad and he has been involved with his stepdaughter for 10 years of the life um, he and the mother have lived together for that time um, when they first got together uh, she moved in with him and she has not worked since then and the dad has been the one paying the bills he's uh, put the little girl through high school once she graduated he bought her a car and then he paid for what she didn't have in scholarships which was close to forty thousand dollars and now she's engaged to get married so the wedding is supposed to come in somewhere between forty and fifty thousand dollars and he's prepared to pay it but situations come up that uh change things first off uh all through this young girl's life her father is in and out but you know she's always excited to see him but then you know as every time he disappoints her he will not show up for events or he will just completely disappear altogether and you know be gone months if not years at a time and then you know comes time for the wedding and, and stepdad says here you know the only thing i ask is that i get 20 guests and here are their names and addresses and the venue that they had rented was for 250 people so he goes golfing on the weekend and there's a friend of his out there on the golf course and they decide to play around together and and they're talking he says so you're gonna go to the wedding and his friend no friend says no i wasn't invited and it's like what he says no he says i got an announcement he said but i was not invited to the wedding and he shows him that he has the announcement in his car and so the dad's pretty pissed you know he's he's not or stepdad excuse me is not happy with this situation so he goes home and he talks to his girlfriend the mother and she says well honey you know it's 250 people you know that's kind of tight for all of their friends and and all of our friends and families that you know if some people don't rsvp then possibly we can get your 20 people in and you know he was hurt but okay we'll we'll see how this works out so they're having a, a dinner for the in-laws the new in-laws are coming over to the house to to uh, have a meal with them and lo and behold here comes dad you know dad has never paid child child support he's never supported anybody in his life you know and he comes showing up for dinner too and they're sitting there at dinner and the little girl makes an announcement she says dad has been so gracious to you know show up and be able to be here for the wedding that he has offered to give me away and you know everybody's going oh you know that's so sweet and that's so nice and then um the stepdad says you know i'd like to make a toast to the bride and groom and he stands up and says you know i have to give credit to the newly to the future newlywed couple here for 
you know, showing me where I belong in his family. He says that uh, I used to be or what I thought to be like the godfather or the patriarch of the family, he says, but it seems to me that basically all I am is an ATM. Uh, so he bids them all good night, tells the guests they can show themselves out, and the next day he goes to the bank and he takes all of his money out of their bank account and he calls all of the vendors to get his money back from the wedding. And the only one that he didn't get it all back was the, the wedding venue or the reception venue, and they kept $1,500 of his deposit. The rest of them, they all gave him refunds, you know, so he was pretty happy with that, with only a $1,500 loss. So the end of it was, you know, if you agree with what he did, to share the story. So, you know, at first glance, you're thinking, yeah, hell yeah, that's the way, yeah, yeah, let's do that. You know, he was in his right, she was a snot, and all of this. But the problem is, we're only hearing one side of the story. You know, first off, you know, all through this little girl's life, her daddy has been in and out, and she has always been there to accept him. Okay, so you've known this all along. You know when dad shows up, he's going to be the hero. So this is nothing new, you know. And you also know that the mother, your girlfriend, has supported this the whole time. You know, otherwise there would have been something said a long time ago about that. And she would have had your back on all of this. So, I mean, I, I don't think it's really a, a good thing that he is pulling out because... Most of this information he should have already had to start with, you know. They don't say, no, is this little girl a selfish little girl, you know, all through her life and it's all been me, me, me. We don't know, you know. And we don't know what the dad does besides not paying support. You know, we know he's in and out of life. We know he misses a lot of things. So he's not the best person. But not only that, but he doesn't why not stand up for yourself you know if this is a little girl that you've come to love as your own child i too would have problems with that and i would say hey you know i think it would be a good idea if perhaps we both walked down the aisle and gave you away or put your foot down and say no if dad wants to pitch in and help pay for it but you know to just all of a sudden take all your money and and leave this family because he leaves. The story ends with him leaving the girl and her mother because all he was was an ATM to him. But and, and you know the things that were done are are pretty nasty. They're 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 pretty much of a what would you call a slight that, you know, I understand him being angry from his point of view, but again, like I say, we don't know the whole story. We we don't have the whole story. We don't know what the interaction's been with all of these people through their lives. You know, there was a another video, and it showed a father lay, or sitting on the ground, leaning against a car, crying, because his wife had just got out of prison not long ago and was getting full custody of the child. And all the comments were, oh, my God, what a travesty. How can this happen? You know, and 
I'm responding, hey, we don't know the whole story. There's things here that we don't know. I've worked within the system. You know, I've been a foster parent. I've been a CASA volunteer. I've worked on the foster care review board. I mean, so I know for 100% certain they don't just take your kids away. They don't do that. There's investigations. There's there's counseling. There's there's all. I mean, it's just the the resources are unlimited. That if dad had a drug problem, he can go to treatment. They will they will set everything up. If he's having problems getting a job, they will help him find work. They will set him up with workshops to uh, improve his skills for certain areas. If he cannot find a place to live, they will show him all kinds of resources on how to get housing. I mean, the, there is just an endless array of of benefits that people can take advantage of. And if mom's coming out of prison after 10 years and getting full custody, dad's done something. Okay. Dad's done something that nobody's looking at. And that's what I said. You know, I'm talking back and it's like, wait a minute. (laughs) No, dad's no angel here. He would not have lost his child. You know, we don't have the whole story because almost certainly the child services went into the home and investigated the home. And if the home was fine, if the home study comes back good, dad would keep this child. Okay. He would still be the child or the parent that has full custody. Mom might've been able to work her way into custody to a partial custody, but she would have never gotten full custody if dad was doing what he needed to do to take care of himself and his child. You know, that I don't like how on social media, you know, just like Facebook, we get one side of the story and everybody just flips out. Oh my God, that's horrible. Oh my God, prayers, prayers, prayers. And we, we really don't know what's going on. You know, and we really shouldn't be forming opinions yet because we don't have the story, you know, and I never did find out the story on that. And I wished I did because I would really like to know what it was that that dad was not doing. Um, I can say, though, that as as far as being a foster parent, that the greatest percentage of displacement is not only drug abuse, but it's meth. And it's, it's a huge, it's over 75% of all displacements, at least in the state of Iowa, it was 75, over 75% of all kids being removed from the home was from the parents being meth addicts. I mean, so that's huge, you know? And so there's probably a good chance that addiction is the problem. And dad wasn't wanting to do what needed to be done to take care of himself and thereby, you know, be able to take care of his son. And it was a sad video. You know, the son's crying and hugging his dad and says, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. Daddy, please, daddy, please. And I mean, it is, it, it tears at your heartstrings. But again, you know, we don't know what dad did. And I, but I can guarantee you dad did something. 
You know, they just do not do that. And, oh, my God, all the states, you know, they still, it's all women. The women have the rights and the fathers don't. It's like, no, that's not it. You know, some states still strongly support the mother as the primary custodian. But if mom's in jail, dad becomes the primary custodian. And if he's doing the things he needs to do, it's not a problem. Dad gets to keep the kids. You know, and when mom gets out of jail, they will give her chances, you know. And I also think that, you know, I think we've gone too far on family first. That is the wishes of of child services. You know, we want to place these kids back with family first. You know, not with the foster parents who are there to adopt, uh, not with friends of the family. They want family first, and they've went too far because they ignore a lot of the red flags just to get them back with family. Um, I'll give you an example. As a foster parent, we were foster to adopt, and we liked sibling groups. We wanted kids that you know were taken out of the home together and we wanted to be there to to help for that and one of our placements was two little girls and they oh my god just had such a tragic life they both watched their father hang himself with a chain off of the roof of their house Um, they were half sisters but they had been together their whole life. The, the youngest one, ever since she was born, these two little girls were, were their, each other's support group. The youngest girl had a brother that was close in age to her. He was about a year apart. But he was very aggressive to the other kids, so he was removed to another home. These two girls came to our home. Now, the... Uh, child services supervisor asked us, you know, are, are you truly looking to adopt? Because, you know, this is, you know, these kids have been removed before. Mom and dad were meth and, you know, we're, we're tired of this. So we, we want to place them. And if you're willing, then that's where we're going to go. And we said, as long as you promise not to separate these two little girls, we'll take them both. And, we would gladly have them in our home. I mean, they were just adorable, adorable kids that the little one, the little one would just, she angered my daughter because she was fighting my daughter for my attention. And my, my daughter didn't like that at first. She was a little uncomfortable with it, but then she finally, you know, came on board and the oldest one was the caretaker. She was taking care of everybody. And that's kind of how it was for her in the home, you know, before before they were taken. That, I don't know, they were just, we loved them so much. So, out of the blue comes the oldest girl's grandma. Her dad cannot get custody because of his drug arrests and failed tests. So, he's not even allowed visitation that they want him to sign his rights away and grandma says no no i'll take them she says i'll take both girls 
So it's like, wait a minute. You know, we've had these girls for almost a year now, but they found family. And it's like, wait, but dad's living with grandma. Nope. Grandma says dad's moving out, so it's not going to be a problem. But grandma didn't want to adopt. She just wanted to be a guardian. That way she still got paid that $500 a month per child. It's like, oh, my God. And, and at that time now, we have two counselors. One is the uh, child services counselor, and then the other is the adoption services counselor. And both of them are on board for this. They're just going nuts. And it's, I, I was so angry. But it, she, Grandma gets them for a while. They, they do a trial period. And Grandma says, you know, it's just not working out with the with the youngest one that I'm going to have to uh, not be able to keep her. She's, but I found somebody at work that would take her. So it's almost as if she was a lost puppy. You know, I've got this, I got this box. I got one puppy left. Who'd like to take her? So she found a family that would do so. And the thing was that now they're wanting to bring the other brother into the situation too. And this family would take the brother and the little sister together, even though that he was aggressive and abusive to the girls. So grandma gets the oldest daughter, new family gets the puppy. And actually they got two puppies for the price of one. And they would not talk to us they told us that since we would not take the boy that you know we shouldn't even be foster parents and our argument was that wait a minute from the very get-go we said these girls need to stay together they have always been each other's support group every time these kids have been removed from the home these two go together so how can you do this but they did they separated them and then now, I can't prove this, but Grandma no longer has oldest girl, so I'm assuming she gave her to Dad, who's not supposed to have her at all. And the other family uh, changed their phone numbers. They would not answer our calls. So we have no idea what's happened to these two little girls. This has been five years ago now. I reached out to my old boss um, that used to be my boss the for... Uh, CASA volunteer and they're not giving her any answers because the she's not involved in the county that this all happened in so it's just I don't know it, it just tears your heart apart you know I don't know what's happened to this girl or both well both girls actually I don't know what happened to either one of them and you know, we were looking so forward to them being a part of our family that it's just, it's sickening. You know, because it started out uh, with foster care that as long as they could get them placed someplace, that was it. And then, you know, they started coming up with a lot of good programs for family that they would give them so much time, you know. So many extensions, so many postponements, and that would give mom or dad or both mom and dad time to do the things that they needed to do to change their lives so they were more 
able to take care of their kids. You know, sometimes it was treatment. Sometimes it was job training, uh, finding suitable work and living, you know, finding a decent place to live and raise their kids. But especially when it comes to addiction, I mean, a lot of these people just do not get it. They're, they're not ready. They're not willing to do what it takes. And you've placed these kids back into a home with all of this going on. It, it's a pretty tough job being a, a foster parent. It's a pretty tough cho- job, excuse me, being a CASA volunteer. Now, CASA volunteer is a court-appointed special advocate. And basically, you are the eyes and ears of the judge. The judge will appoint you to a case. This case will be the only case that you work on. So it can be one child, it can be a sibling group, but it's just the one family. And then what happens is is you go into the home and you observe. You know, you can interact a little bit, ask questions, you know, but the the most the, the biggest part of it is just observation, you know. How's the house look? How's everybody interact with each other? Um, are they getting to school on time? Is there lunches for them? When they come home, who's making dinner? Who's cleaning the house? Uh, who's giving baths? Who's helping with homework? You know, it's, and it's the little stuff like that that really adds up. That And to watch these people who don't realize that what they're doing is wrong. You know, um, one family I worked with, they had uh, two little boys and three little girls. Well, mom didn't like boys. Uh, Mom had some issues from her past as a child, and she did not like boys. And she would punish these boys in some rather bad ways. And one of those ways was to put them in a dark closet. The girls never had to be in a closet, but the boys did. And mom's telling me all this. Yeah, when he's bad, I put him in the closet. And I said, well, you know, when we'll just say Sarah, when Sarah's bad, what happens to her? Well, I'll put her in a timeout or I'll take away her toys or no coloring today or whatever. And it's it's like, wow. I mean, you don't even see what you're doing. I mean, it, it, oh, my God, it's just mind blowing. Um. I kind of went off on a tangent here today, but, you know, I I am a huge advocate for kids. You know, our world depends on them. You know, they are our future that without them, where are we going? And, you know, we need to be more involved and we need to be there to protect them and make sure that they're safe and cared for. And, you know, sometimes that's not with family and sometimes it's not with extended family. You know, and splitting them up like that was never the answer that I just hope and pray that, you know, we can keep advancing and doing better. You know, child services sometimes really drop the ball and not to make excuses for them, but they are overloaded and underpaid. So, I mean, it's easy for kids to slip through the cracks. You know, I know that... uh, one county that I worked in, they, the counselors there had an average of 50 families that they worked with every month. 
So that means they are traveling across the county to visit these people, whether it be at their job, whether it be at the schools, whether it be at the doctor's office. They went and talked to anyone and everyone that was involved in these kids' lives. So to do that for 50 families, and, you know, we're talking, you know, some of these families, you have more than one or two kids. So that's more than one or two different schools, you know, whether it's elementary, junior high or high school or whatever, that that's a pretty big process that it is totally underfunded and i don't know i'm going to go off on a tangent again here and just say you know that sometimes it seems that our society is more worried about the care of animals than it is of our own children you know michael vick who was the quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons, is into dog fighting. He raises dogs. Once they can't fight anymore, he killed these dogs. And he actually goes to prison for two years. Now, two years is not a lot. I totally get that. But at the same time, another guy who gets drunk and kills somebody for, you know, drunken vehicular homicide, he gets off. You know, he doesn't serve any time. He pays a fine. He gets a suspended sentence. But... Where is the justice in that? I mean, it just seems that when a dog is beaten, that everybody, you know, on the entire block will come out and rally for that dog. But when a child is being beaten, they all hide in the corner and just sit there, peek and watch and not do anything. And I, I don't get that. I do not understand how that happens in our society, but it certainly does. Um, my wife gets nervous a lot of times because I will step in and I will say something. So, you know, sometimes she's asking me, her thing for me is, you know, don't jump too soon. So she's she's kind of my, uh, uh, she's she's got a hold of my, my collar. <laughs> restraining me now just wait just wait (laughs) but that's okay you know she keeps me stable um i think that's gonna be it for today i do apologize if there's you know a lot of background noise i am sitting outside today it's a beautiful day and and i thought i'd give this a shot and you know if it's if it's too much I, i won't do it again but it is a beautiful day here in southwest kansas i'm glad you all are are here and hopefully we will be together again here down the road um thanks god guys take care